Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. Here with me is Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Today, our guest is Dr. Brian Tabb. Dr. Tabb is Academic Dean and Associate Professor of Biblical Studies at Bethlehem College and Seminary. He also serves as a general editor of Themelios, which is published by the Gospel Coalition. Dr. Tabb has written a recent volume in, in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series titled All Things New, Revelation as Canonical Capstone. Dr. Tabb, it's great to have you on our podcast today. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yes, Brian, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, tell us a little bit about your personal and educational background and, and a little bit about where you're currently serving? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I'm, I'm married to Kristen. I've got four school-age children, and uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area has been our home since 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've, I've been privileged to uh, serve at Bethlehem College and Seminary since its founding uh, in 2009, and um, teach a, a variety of classes related to New Testament and biblical languages and biblical theology. Um, also, am a lay elder in in our church, mm-hmm. and uh, love the the synergy of of pastoral work and, and scholarship and, and training uh, up-and-coming pastors and church leaders uh, here at Bethlehem. It's been a joy. Um, I, I went to uh, Wheaton College and since the call to vocational ministry at Wheaton, I enrolled in their biblical exegesis program uh, for graduate school and uh, then Moved up to Bethlehem for a, a pastoral training program, and, and then did a, a PhM at Luther Seminary and a, a PhD at London School of Theology. My research interests uh, would be uh, biblical theology, the use of the Old Testament in the New, um, obviously the Book of Revelation, uh, Luke and Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm also interested in uh, the New Testament historical context uh, with uh, Greco-Roman side and also uh, intertestamental Judaism. Uh, so uh, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, my my current book that I'm working on with Crossway is is focused more on uh, Luke and Acts. Uh, I'll I'll then turn to a, a commentary on First and Second Thessalonians. So. Uh, over to Paul's letters. So, broadly speaking, though, things related to the New Testament uh, and how how the New Testament authors are following Jesus in in reading the Old Testament. That's great. Um, you're also currently serving as the general editor of Themelios. Um and so how do you see that functioning as part of your larger ministry um, at the Gospel Coalition and? What are some significant recent or forthcoming articles or reviews you can share with our listeners? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Don Carson invited me to serve 
uh, alongside him as managing editor of Melios in 2013. I was an active reader of the journal and had contributed a number of book reviews and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I just quickly uh, fell in love with uh, the work of, of being an editor. It's a little bit like, like being a midwife to help to give birth to, uh, you know, articles and, and other things like, uh, for, for these other people who are, are doing great work to, to help them along and then be able to share that with the world. Uh, and, uh, Somelios is, uh, has, has been around actually since the early 1960s. Uh, it merged with another journal in 1975. Uh, RT France was the, editor at that time and it it from the beginning had a, a a desire to help theological students particularly in uh the united kingdom uh but there's this desire to make it ha have an international impact and that was limited by a pretty modest print circulation for a number of years and at the the journal kind of reached a I think a, a crisis point in the mid 2000s and uh, Don Carson really had a vision for taking this journal uh, under the umbrella of the Gospel Coalition and making it free online. And so that that took a, a journal with a small circulation, mainly in Europe, and opened it up to the world. Uh, last year, People in over 200 countries uh, accessed the uh, online uh, articles and 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 so forth, and could download it for free, share it with others. And uh, our editors are in a number of different countries and denominations, but but united by the uh, the theological distinctives of the Gospel Coalition, the the vision for equipping. Uh, pastors in the local church, and and so as I as I conceive of each issue, I want it to have scholarly excellence, of course, that you'd expect of a peer-reviewed journal, but also uh, doctrinal fidelity. Where I, I this this is going to be, uh, you know, the historic doctrines once for all delivered to the saints, uh, but in presented in a way that's accessible for pastors and theological students. So avoiding unnecessary jargon and, and kind of technical uh, writing style. Um, so it's, it's been a joy to, to serve with the Melios and to meet a lot of people. That's actually, I think, one of the ways that I met Dr. Kostenberger uh, through a couple of articles that he's mm -hmm. written uh, in, in recent years. Yeah, that's right. I, I really uh, appreciate you articulating that that vision and the uh, the primary target audience uh, for Themelios, uh, Brian, because I I can see how even as an author, it's 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 a very kind of a sweet spot to to still be able to to do some you know serious uh, scholarly work, but to to, to make it accessible, uh, and I think for a lot of uh, us evangelical scholars, so we we do actually want to nurture uh, and equip uh, pastors and serious students of Scripture, and so I found that 
that there's, you know, depending on, on the kind of work I'm doing, there's sometimes an article I'm doing and I'm, I'm just thinking Themelius would be perfect for that. Now the question mm. is just, can I get it past the editor and the, and the peer reviewer? But, <laughs> uh, but I think you've really uh, carved out, you know, a unique role uh, with that journal. And so what a great vision, mm. you know, for Don Carson to basically repurpose uh, that journal the way you described. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jimmy, you asked about some of the uh, recent or forthcoming articles. Um, I'd highlight a recent article by Andy Nacelli and Jonathan Lehman on politics, conscience, and the church. Certainly a, mm -hmm. a timely article for an election year uh, and some of the challenging discussions that are happening in many of our churches. Um, I'm really excited about some forthcoming articles. Uh, in the August issue, Jason DeRoshi has a remarkable article on the use of Leviticus 18.5 in Galatians 3.12. I think it's, it's the best thing I've ever read on it. And uh, mm -hmm. Lydia Yeager has a really interesting piece on Christ and the concept of person. Uh, she's a French-speaking scholar and is, is making some of her uh, work really more accessible for a broader English-speaking audience in that in that piece, uh, I'm, it's, it's going to be a few months, but Eric Ortland has an incredible article on the wisdom of Song of Songs coming out in our winter issue as well that I can't wait for people to read. Great, great. Uh, well, uh, Brian, let's now turn to one of your, your own uh, recent publications, uh, All Things New, uh, Revelation as Canonical Capstone. Uh, Jimmy mentioned at the beginning in the uh, New Testament, uh, in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series edited by uh, Dia Carson. Uh, I know that uh, every book has a story. So what's the story behind this book? Well, the, the story of this book probably starts in some ways in 2013 when Don Carson called me and asked me if I'd be willing to write study notes uh, on Revelation for the NIV Zondervan Study Bible, which I agreed to. And as I was doing that study Bible work, the, the intricate connections uh, between the, the Old Testament and the book of Revelation just uh, were, I, I knew that those were there, but had just a deeper appreciation for them. And just uh it it seemed to me that, that there needed to be a book written about that uh i'd i'd used so many of the nsbt volumes uh in my own study in uh in the classroom and uh you know there were books on you know say the biblical theology of acts or uh, the book of Ruth uh, or Daniel, but there there wasn't one on the book of Revelation. And, and the maybe the nearest e example to what I was thinking uh, was a book by Richard Baucom from the early 1990s. And it it seemed like there was a there was a space for a book that would uh, not try to go verse by verse like a commentary, but but try to synthesize what are some of the key biblical theological themes that this, that this final book in our canon 
is taking up and and weaving together, mm-hmm. uh, showing how how the the grand story of of God and His people and His world comes together through Christ, uh, the the risen reigning King, mm-hmm. and how how Jesus makes all things new in the end. Uh, so. Yeah. That that was the the start of it. Uh, I'd had, uh, you know, influence uh, on on you know from past teachers like Greg Beale mm-hmm. and Sam Storms at Wheaton, mm-hmm. and then uh, at Luther Seminary with with Craig Tester. Uh, so so mm-hmm. several of the people that have written the most significant commentaries on Revelation in my lifetime had had given me a, a taste for this glorious book. And, and so it was, uh, I, I was so pleased to have an opportunity to contribute to that series and then uh, now to have it out and hopefully uh, make this this book that, that many people feel like it is a riddle. I, I really wanted uh, to make it more accessible uh, to encourage pastors to preach on it, to encourage church members to read it, to encourage uh, students to wrestle with it uh, afresh and in, in light of its biblical theological context. Yeah, any, anybody who's listening who is maybe not familiar with the New Studies in Biblical Theology series, uh, uh, it's the, the target audience is, is in some ways rather similar to uh, the one you described for Themelios, it's uh, again, right. uh, you know, targeting uh, people with a serious interest in in scripture, especially obviously biblical theology. But but your book, for example, uh, I just checked is about two hundred and thirty pages, and so you know certainly uh, it's it's a nice length, you know, as compared to some of say Greg Beale's uh, commentaries or uh, you know more more technical work. Uh, not necessarily meant to be a you know substitute, but 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 just you know, something that's, that's more accessible. Um, now you mentioned Bauckham, uh, and, uh, you know, some of his earlier work, uh, how, how does your work, you know, compare to his, for instance, when you say revelation is the canonical capstone, is this essentially what Bauckham means when he refers to revelation as the climax of prophecy? You know, I, 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 I quote, uh, uh, extensively, uh, and, and reference his, his work throughout the book. And I, I think I mean essentially what he means by that. Um, now, now he, he goes into a little bit more depth on, on kind of early Christian prophecy. And, and by, by the canonical capstone, I'm, I'm really wanting to, just emphasize the the biblical theological narrative uh, that that John is uh, is bringing to its its fitting you know consummation mm-hmm. uh, and certainly the some of the chapters in in my book uh, for example on Revelation's presentation of God and Jesus and the Spirit have have counterpoints in in his book and there are some overlap and some distinctives uh i think the other 
chapters in my book part ways a little bit more and, and touch on develop some themes that that he chose not to emphasize as much. For example, the uh, the battle for universal worship of every tongue and tribe and the new Exodus theme or mm-hmm. the new creation is greater Eden. Uh, so just uh, there are some different points of emphasis, uh, maybe in part uh, based on our, our different interests. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you're more uh, looking for intertextual connections, uh, canonical connections. He's maybe a little more into Second Temple literature, and uh, yeah. at the same time, there's a lot of common ground in the sense that 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 the, the, the thesis seems to be, uh, you know, compatible. Perhaps uh, now let's look a little bit That's about right. the uh, you know the structure of your book. Uh, I, I, you already touched on it, uh, but. Uh, you know, for people who, who might consider picking up your book and reading it, just by way of uh, kind of a sneak preview, you have four parts. Uh, the first one uh, is on the triune God, as you already mentioned, uh, God, Jesus, the Spirit. And uh, part two is on worship and witness, uh, clearly an important uh, theme in Revelation. And then uh, part three is on judgment, salvation, and restoration. I Sure, Jim Hamilton probably liked uh, part three. Uh, uh-huh. And then uh, part four is the Word of God, the Word of God. Uh, now, I may have missed it, but, uh, you know, when you talk about the plan for your book in the introduction, you, you say what the plan is, but you don't say, at least not that I could find, why you've chosen these particular groupings. So uh, I'm sure there's, there's some sort of a, a, a canonical logic to it. Can you maybe unpack that for us. Yeah, well, the the most obvious grouping is part one mm-hmm. uh, with the triune God. And, and that really even emerges from the opening salutation of the book, where John says, grace and peace to you, and then offers really one of the, the, the most uh, poignant Trinitarian statements. Uh, that you'll find in the New Testament. And similarly, in, in his throne room vision in chapters four and five, you have God on his throne, the lamb approaching the throne, the spirit, the seven spirits are, are there really picking up the uh, Trinitarian emphasis of the, of the opening verses of the book. Um, the, the part four on the word of God really ends my book where I think on, on some of the emphasis that the end of the book of revelation has on, on the trustworthiness of this book of prophecy. Uh, and, and the, the, the presentation of, of, of this book as the, the unsealed scroll and that you can't shouldn't add to or taken away from and, and so forth the the middle sections um are are touching on god's people uh and the uh kind of the the inter uh the intermediary chapters uh in the book where there's this uh this rivalry between uh the lamb and the beast and there's this 
contrast of, of two cities with the harlot city Babylon and the bride city Jerusalem. And there's these cycles of, of judgment with the seals and trumpets and, and bowls. And, and through judgment, this sort of new exodus salvation that, that's happening. So that, that's kind of what's going on in those, in those middle chapters. It, it's trying to uh, pull out mm-hmm. uh, themes that are, that are you know, major biblical themes that are emerging from uh, the book of Revelation itself. It, it seems natural to start with God and then move to his people and then to his uh, this unfolding plan uh, as the Lamb opens the scroll for how how he will accomplish uh, judgment and salvation and restoration, you know, mm-hmm. in the last days. Fascinating, because one of the articles I published in Thamelios was one on the present and future of biblical theology, as you uh, probably recall. And, and there I talk about four different approaches to biblical theology, book by book, central themes, uh, single center, and meta narrative. And uh, you know, when when I look at at your book, uh, obviously you're just dealing with one book. So you could say it is a kind of a book study. Uh, you know, uh, but but beyond that, it seems like you don't really have one place where you track the meta narrative. Uh, it's probably more of a central themes approach. Even though you could say that for each theme, you might track the meta narrative just as far as that theme is concerned. Would that be a fair way to, you know, kind of within that taxonomy to the to categorize your your book? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, if I had to have a a thesis, it would be that Revelation brings the biblical narrative to its conclusion in the already not yet reign of Jesus and the new creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you, I mean, you you have their kingdom of God theme, presence of God uh, theme there, but you're right. It, it isn't just tracing a single uh, theme. It's, it's trying to show how different threads are, are weaving together in this one book, but you, you can't really understand what's going on in Revelation without realizing that almost all of the imagery in the book is coming from the Old Testament. Yeah, I think it's very successful the way you uh, handle it. And I personally tend to be not very dogmatic on saying there's only kind of one way. Uh, you know, we see a lot of diversity, the, the, the way different authors, even in the NSBT series, are, are approaching, you know, their tasks. But I, I think clearly, That's right. uh, you know, the way you uh, have a thesis and then validate it by, by looking at, uh, at some of the major themes, even essentially. Uh, you know, I did something similar in my Johannine theology, uh, that you mm-hmm. start with themes that are surfacing maybe more prominently early on in the book, and then you conclude, as you mentioned, with with themes, uh, you know, that, that are prominent toward the end, and then you treat the body, you know, in, in the body of your book. So mm-hmm. uh, that's anybody who's done any, uh, you know, publishing in, in the realm of biblical theology knows that, that you just have to... To, to find your way, you know, what's the, what's the most uh, maybe intuitive way to organize the material? And, and there conceivably could be multiple legitimate ways to do that. Uh, so I think it's, it's very well written. 
Uh, now, I, I would probably be remiss if I didn't ask you the question that probably a lot of our listeners are are asking, uh, and so you answer that any any way you you choose. But but in a nutshell, what are your eschatological views regarding the rapture, the millennium, other events surrounding Christ's return? You know, what's your overall approach? Yeah, well. Um... My personal views certainly come out in in the book in in places that's not like what the book is about necessarily. Uh, it, it's not a it's not a defense of uh, of you know all millennialism. Uh, that would be my personal view of how of, of what's going on in Revelation twenty verses one through six. Uh, probably better described as inaugurated or realized millennialism um i i don't really touch on the rapture in in this book because i i don't see it as as an emphasis in the book of revelation itself uh that that will i'll i'll touch on it at length when i write a commentary on thessalonians uh but um i i'm i'm really interested in just uh, looking at how John is reading the Old Testament in light of the reign and return of Jesus. Uh, and, and so really the the emphasis is on this inaugurated, not yet consummated eschatology, thinking about eschatology more broadly in the study of the last thing, with, with Jesus opening the scroll and, and sitting on the throne of heaven at the end of the book, don't seal up what's written here, but because the time is near, it, J- John's signaling to us that that the the last days have come near. Now that doesn't mean that there's not more to come. Uh, it, it doesn't take uh, long scanning the you know morning news or or. Uh, seeing the headlines to realize that all is not right in the world. God hasn't made all things new yet, uh, but He has set that in motion uh, through the resurrection of Jesus and His heavenly reign. And and John is emphasizing that I, I think, uh, and. And because God has already begun to fulfill those promises, that's that's giving us confidence uh, that he surely will bring it to its consummation. Just as we um, wrap up our conversation here, we don't have time to look at the entire scope of the book, but would you be willing to share uh, with our listeners a couple of things you feel you've uncovered that are particularly significant in the way in which Revelation uh, serves as canonical capstone of Scripture? Sure. One of the things that I discovered in this study that was really personally meaningful to me was how Revelation presents the prayers of God's people Uh, and and even how integrally those prayers are, 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 are woven with God's final judgment and salvation. Uh, The, in the Psalms, uh, God, God is described as, as hear, the one who hears prayer. But in, in the book of Revelation, it uses, it uses imagery to, to bring out that truth. It describes 
these prayers as sweet smelling incense that are rising up into the throne room and filling golden bowls and being offered on the heavenly altar. And really at, at some of the different uh, kind of junctions of, of judgment and salvation, we, you see prayer there that, that these, these, you know, God, God, doing what he said he would and, and bringing judgment on evil and saving his people, that's all direct response to the effective prayers of God's people. And so that just even personally encouraged me to, uh, to see my prayers in cosmic perspective. Um, I mean, additionally, this, it, it, it almost goes without saying that that the book of Revelation is all about Christ. And mm -hmm. you, you have various prophecies and patterns from the Old Testament coming to their consummation in, in Christ. You know, the, the, the promise of kingship for the tribe of Judah, the, the sacrificial theme uh, coming to uh, uh, with the slain lamb, uh, who then is standing in God's presence. You you have Jesus sharing God's titles like the first and the last. He shares God's attributes like uh, white hair and a roaring voice. He he shares God's throne, and he receives the worship that is is due to the one true God, and so. Just seeing the the worthiness of of, of Jesus, the I mean, I, I think it it's, uh, it, it stirs my heart to worship. In, in some ways, the you could summarize the main point of the book of Revelation as worship God and mm -hmm. worship Christ. Uh, you, you can't just worship God without uh, realizing who Jesus is. He, he's sharing in the glory and praise of God. And we should respond by following the Lamb and confidently hoping in his return. Those are a couple of the themes that, that just really stood out to me. Uh, I, I continually come back, of course, to the uh, end of the book where 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 God is making all things new and the uh just all the things that will be no more no more death no more tears and so forth uh just mm -hmm. what 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 Isaiah prophesied uh God is reiterating at, here at the consummation of the book of revelation uh, and and we we the the curtain gets pulled back just a, a little bit more, uh, and, and we see uh, how it's how it's all gonna unfold. It's gonna be like the garden, only better. Uh, as we uh, praise uh, the Lord and and. Uh, see him face to face uh, forever and ever in in his new world. So uh, I, I think just the 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 theme of hope uh, rises up 
through this book. Well, that's uh, certainly an excellent way to close our conversation today. And uh, Dr. Tab, we're very grateful for your work on Revelation and your role on Themelios. And so thankful to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.